guys how are you doing good man how was your week uh just very hectic trying to set up this home studio so i could start doing the pod uh the uh youtube videos and uh well we'll talk a little bit about my struggles with that and how it pertains to coaching in a minute but uh yeah, today's a sad day for me because eight years ago today I lost my dad and a year ago today I lost uh, Cheetos, my dog. It's hard to believe. I mean, you know, people talk about time flying and it's just startling to me that it's been a year. Well, actually eight years for my dad, but this last year is just boom, gone. I, I mean, it's just flown, you know, flying by. How about you guys? Yeah, it's going by really fast. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? You know, I mean, my life has totally changed. It was on a different track last year, this time last year. And now this year, you know, it's obviously completely different personally. I'm not even talking about, you know, the COVID and anything, but it's probably better that, you know, for me now, you know, I mean, my future and, my, you know, my freedom and happiness. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to we were discussing yesterday that we would talk about this, this, this podcast really is more or less geared towards coaches, instructors, um, not just in uh, fighting or martial arts or what have you, but just basically anything. And <clears throat> what I, what I'd like to discuss is my personal uh, journey here the last month or whatever, when I've been looking into, uh, you know, doing the YouTube videos and uh, learning about photography and video, technically really videography, lighting, this and that and whatever. And I've watched a ton of instructional videos, mainly, though, they're product marketing things, right? So I, I take all of that with a huge grain of salt. But the disturbing thing that I found is I'm a total newbie to this. I'm used to being in front of the camera, not necessarily the technical aspects. And in the past, when I had to film videos, you know, we did it the way, you know, just with primitive equipment. Well, I, I want my YouTube videos to be top shelf. Um, it seems like a lot of people have jumped on this bandwagon and, um, you know, of, of doing a, uh, um, YouTube or vlogging, as they call it. And as I said, the majority, basically everyone that I've watched has been product reviews and things like that, which I just really, I don't, I don't, I don't get all that. But what I was shocked to find out is that there's very little that is out there on true instruction to a complete and utter newbie like myself. All right. I mean, 
things have to be spelled out exactly. How high are the lights? How far away are the lights, roughly? Um, you know, what settings on the camera exactly? What lens exactly? Everything has to be spelled out because there's a lot of people that just don't have a clue. They're brand new. You know, what does the letter F stand for? You know, what what does, you know, the circle with the line through it? All of this stuff, there's so much that is just next to impossible, you know, to find out. And then same with the audio and everything. So that got me thinking. I'm like, you know, I've always tried to coach, and sometimes I explain ad nauseum, okay, the minute details. And that's because I realize that there's so many people out there that, that even if you've had experience, maybe you, you don't, you don't really know the whys, you know, you, you don't know the ins and outs, the science behind it. And I'm here to, you know, just say that, you know, what separates a great coach from just a good coach knowledge wise is that you, you have a mastery of all the little details and that you're able to impart that knowledge to to people. And it can be a challenge, especially when you're advanced. You know, like I've been doing this my whole life, and I forget sometimes what it's like to be a complete raw beginner again, okay, where you don't know anything. And, uh, you know, a lot of coaches take it for granted. Oh, they should know this. I mean, this is common sense. Well, it, it's not common sense, okay, to some people. It's just – it's, you know, when you have that lack of even the most basic knowledge, it you, you have to get it somewhere because, again, fundamentals are really important. So uh, I don't want to say I've wasted the last month, but for sure this has taken me far longer than it should have because I could not and cannot find the specific information that I need uh, regarding videos and, you know, lighting and audio and everything that goes along with it. Um, now, you guys aren't really beginners. I mean, Joe, you've been in martial arts for a long time. Nico's well. So you guys, too, may may forget what it was like the first time you walked into a gym, you know. And Lord knows, you know, you probably didn't get all the fundamentals <clears throat> that you needed. You know, the, 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 the grassroots, bare you know, let's start from ground zero kind of approach. So um, I'm just here to tell all the instructors out there that that is very key. And again, not just, I mean, yes, to raw beginners, of course, but even more advanced are people who get lost from their, their heritage. And we, we, we tend to forget where we started. And, you know, we forget all these little fundamentals or these little important things. And we we got to we got to stick to it. You know, we got to get back to the basics. You Your think thoughts? sometimes too, it's just kind of the instructors. Uh, I don't know if it's a lack of patience or excitement about wanting to share something that they like or are cool, but it's just too far ahead. I, I kind of you and I are both musicians. I'm not like particularly a good one, but I that's something that's like kind of close to my mind as being recently a beginner in and knowing like having not an idea what to do, you know, not knowing any of it. And I remember my first couple of weeks in, uh, there was a guy at work who is an accomplished guitarist, bassist, you know, records a lot of his own music. I mean, that's his thing, you know, and he, he found out I was getting into it. You know, my friends were starting a band. And so he's like, 
well, hey, here's the circle of fifths. Now, I didn't even understand what a chord was. Wow. You know, I was just starting out. And here's like, this is what opened my eyes to how to play and how to improvise. You know, to me, it looked like astrophysics when he showed me the circle of fifths. And that's, you know, I mean, for people not in music, it's, it's, it's this chart with all these different, you know, how the chords interrelate depending what key you're in. None of that made any sense to me, but he was so, I think when he, it's something he was enthusiastic about because I think he made major gains once he mastered it, but he could not relate to the fact that I was literally just starting out, you know? So he's like, this will get you ahead. And I think, you know, so I've been there where it's like, this information may be valuable to me three years from now, <laughs> you know, but uh, giving it to me now is just, it's almost a waste of time. Like he's jumping ahead to chapter 20 in the book when he's like, no, you need to learn your ABCs first and just be patient and say, okay, you're starting from, you know, he, he I don't even think he could visualize what true beginner was. Yeah. That's tough. And, you know, I can see his, where he's coming from and yeah, he was kind of maybe, putting the cart before the horse you know the the, the circle of fifths the cycle of fifths uh is paramount i mean that you you can't become a successful musician without knowing it by heart but yeah there's steps before you you get to that um i can remember well at least ronnie moon my jazz instructor i can remember him you know whole whole half he was teaching me the 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 um basis of let's say a major scale uh and you know by the numbers literally you know a whole step a whole step a half step and so on and um chords the structure of chords like a a, a dominant seven first third fifth flatted seventh note of that scale it was all math simple math but mathematics and in fighting you this is this is the thing i i don't I don't know that a lot of instructors, the ones that I've dealt with, that I've, that I've taught, instructors that I've taught, many of them are the, you know, rote memory. You know, my instructor showed me how to do it this way. That's why I do it. They don't understand, you know, the histrionics to it. Why? Why are you doing it? explain the structure of the human body go into detail what exactly is happening here they don't they don't get that deep that i believe is not advanced i believe that's something that should be basic you know you should know this going in so much like let's say this guy with the you know circle of fifths yeah that's important he's he's right on the money but there's so much that would be missing before you get to that okay um, and for non-musicians out there, or even musicians, you know, who sometimes forget, we do a lot of, well, basic music is a, what's called a 2-5-1 progression, okay? So that's all based on um, the circle of fifths, okay? Uh, the, the, the two is the second in the circle. The fifth is the fifth, you know, and one is the root or the, you know, so if you're, you know, Playing in C, you're going to go C. C is one, two is D, D minor seventh, five is G, G seventh, and then you go to one, which would be C. And so, you, if you say two five one, you can transpose it to any key. And much like fighting, you have strategies that you can transpose 
things that you learn here to there. Um, and then naturally in music, you can add substitutes. So instead of going to, let's say from a, a D minor seventh, you can make it a D minor ninth with an augmented uh, or a, a altered tone. And then the G seventh could be, a, it could be a D flat 13th or something. You could take a chromatic step from a D half step D flat. It's, it's, fa- it's fascinating. I don't want to get this into a, a music theory uh, podcast, but it's music is far more intellectual and far more theoretical and uh, mathematical based than fighting. Okay. It's, it's, there's just so much to it. It's so vast. Uh, So, but fighting to me should still be based on these types of principles and this way of learning, much like you practiced your scales every day, your chords, your inversions and what have you. You need there's fundamentals that need to be practiced, and I've talked about this in the past with fighting, things that you you have to do uh, or should, and approach it like a music student would uh, approach it. Um, so anyway, the point of it all is even with this photography or videography thing, there's been nothing that has, and trust me when I tell you this, I could probably go through my history on my computer, hundreds over well probably over two hundred videos maybe even a lot more than that that I've watched and no one, no one has been able to just spell it out, you know, from the very, I mean, they, they talk in generalities. They talk like Joe's talking about circle of fifths, you know, three point lighting. Okay. You have a, you have a, a key light to fill light and a, and a rim or a backlight. What watt bulbs tell us exactly how much distance do you think? Give us ballparks. They're not getting into it. So, with fighting, it's it's it would be it would equate to, and I'm sure Nico I think has brought up questions like this before. Someone I I know v, Nico did, and I'll I'll let him talk in a second here about it. I know it now. It came to me. He talked about some instructor being very vague, you know, like um, well, just uh, you know, just hit a little bit harder or or move just a little bit quicker. That's vague. That's not a, that's not an answer. Okay. Um, just, you know, throw, throw the left hook when you can. Well, w- wait a minute. When can I? What is when I can? You have to tell me as the instructor when. Now, do you remember something about that, Nico? Maybe not those examples, but you had an instructor that was real vague because you, um, you asked me about it. Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember many instances uh, with instructors who were – probably very good competitors, very good at what they do, um, but not necessarily a very good instructor. I think there's a big difference between the two. I think a really good instructor could take something complicated and break it down and really simplify it and also break it down kind of in bite-sized pieces so you can grasp the big picture because someone that's a beginner would just has no concept, like you said, of some of the minute details. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think a really good instructor, like you said, has a, a good eye for all the details, but they can also break it down in a way that's palatable for someone that, you know, just has no idea. And it has to be kind of step-by-step, I think, approach. Um, 
I remember we used to have a, a beginner's class at, at Victory MMA, and I used to coach it. And a lot of the people came in, and they wanted to learn all of this. They wanted, they thought they were going to learn like some really cool stuff. But basically, all we, it was a very short class, like forty-five minutes. All we really got to was like basic stuff, like stance, movement, how to move, how to how to step. And I think a lot of people were disappointed, but because they thought they were going to learn all of these advanced and cool, flashy things. But really, if if we were to teach them more advanced stuff than that, it'd be doing them a big disservice because they don't even know how to step, they don't know how to walk, they don't know how to stand. Um, I think a lot of times learning the right way can seem a little bit off-putting and boring to beginners because they're expecting so much more. You're 100% right. And again, that relates to music. The biggest complaint oh, here, I, I'm, I know somebody that, you know, told me this, he didn't want to practice. You know, he was studying with a, a great guitarist in Chicago, in uh, Cleveland briefly, but he didn't want to practice. He just did not want to do with the guy, you know, the guy, the instructors, he, Ralph Russo, he had Ralph Russo's guitar conservatory. Anyhow, many musicians that I know that never made it and they weren't very good. It, it all boils down to what Nico just said. They wanted all, they wanted to play songs. They wanted to do in essence, the, the fancy, the, they wanted to have fun as opposed to doing what, like what Nico's, you know, the basics, the stance, the fundamentals. And in music, that's your chords, your scales, repetitively until you're, you know, you're sick of it. And, and, and even before your scales, you have certain exercises, just like athletes have physical exercises. Musicians have exercises, you know, Cherney, Hannon, Philippe, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's more, but those were the three that I messed around with. Um, that I can recall now. I'm sure I dabbled in something else, but these are all specific exercises that are technically not musical. They're just, you know, repetitive to build the strength and independence of your fingers. And then you have to do your scales, which is just boring to many people. And that's how it is with fighting. You know, you, there's, there's fundamentals that you have to do. You have to work on your slips, your, your jabs, your, you know, just shadow boxing and doing your conditioning and, and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, the guys like, you know, people who, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing advanced stuff. You'll get there. You'll get there eventually. You know, it's, it's just, it just takes time to build that fundamentals. Now, in defense of coaches and instructors and teachers, there's just certain students, you know, everybody says, I want to find a good teacher, but I've said it before. I, you know, teachers want to find good students. There's some students you're just never going to get through to. Okay. They just don't have it. They don't have the discipline, but uh, as a coach, you, you again, have to realize that you have to know, okay, well, this guy's not going to take it seriously or he just doesn't get it. And then I think, you know, you need to have a talk with that person. Hey, what's up? You know, um, you know, you're not really grasping this. You're not really getting this. Maybe I'm not the instructor for you, you know, and you have to move on. So there, it, it's just, though, about, to me, making the environment there where, you know, you don't have any regrets. You know, you can't save the world, so to speak. You, you can coach the best you can, but just some people just aren't going to be receptive to it. Their mind 
is not where it needs to be. I mean, I'm sure we've all either been there or have, have, have witnessed it. I, th I think the greatest attribute in a student is to be teachable, to be humble and, and teachable. I think a problem that I see a lot is guys, they, they don't want to be corrected. They, right. they don't want to be humbled. It's the ego gets in the way. They think they know better than the instructor. They don't want to be their flaws to be pointed out. And to me, I think that's a great inhibitor of progress and, and, you know, could make a very lousy student. I learned that years ago on the internet, man. I've been smeared and lied about and tarnished because of people who just can't take the truth that they're not as good as they would claim to be, or they have the wrong, just flat out wrong information. And even I've shown people, People who are out there trashing me, I've, sh I've shown people my emails to them. Very nice. Just saying, you know, you need to try this. You, you, you don't really have that down yet. You need to try it a little harder, whatever. It was very uh, constructive and very nice. And, pe yeah, you're right. People just can't take it. So I refuse to ever really get into that unless you're enrolled in one of my programs. I'm not going to say anything pro or con. I'm just going to ignore it. I just refuse to review anymore because if you say something nice, they blow it up and they make it more than what it is. Oh, I'm fully endorsed worldwide. Tony thinks I'm the greatest. Or if you say something bad, oh, he's a jerk. He's a, he's a, he's a chump because, you know, he said this and he doesn't know anything. You're right. Um, these people don't know how to learn. They're going to be losers and failures their whole life because at, at everything, you know, they're going to, they know more that they're, they're the type that know more than their boss that know more than the person that they're with, their wife or girlfriend or whatever, you know, husband or whatever. If they're a woman, you know, you're not going to help those types of people. Yeah, they can't be helped. They know more than the doctor that they go to. They know more than everybody. You've seen it. We all know people like that. So, you know, um, and I've known a lot of coaches or just um, instructors, not necessarily in fighting even, just in general that, you know, yeah, the, the people knock them. I, I know one guy. He was studying, and he didn't even realize who he was studying with. He knew the guy's name, but did not realize the um, significance of who he was studying with. And it was a friend of mine who I was showing him lifting exercises for the, you know, Philippe exercises, basically, to, for the guy played keyboards. You know, I was showing him. He says, oh, he goes, yeah, I had a teacher that tried to show me that. You know, I just didn't stick with him. It was kind of boring. Um, I'm like, well, who was your, who was your teacher? He's like, Don Comar. I'm like, Don Comar is, he's like a God. I mean, the guy is like phenomenal. I'm like, man, you, you blew it with him, man. Don Comar is like, he was a, he's still alive. I believe he's up there. He's got to be in his eighties, but you know, the guy was amazing technician, just phenomenal played as good as it comes. Jazz accordion and P and keyboards. He used to be a, uh, what do you call that? The demonstrator for, uh, oh, one of those uh, keyboard companies, Techniques or, or, or uh, you know, uh, someone, yeah, Yamaha or whatever, you know, he would, yeah, he was their guy. Um, he's a Chicago guy, you know, and uh, yeah, just a phenomenal musician. So you never know what you have. I've heard it too about me. Oh, he's too hard. Tony bro, he wants us to get in shape, all this exercise. It's, it's too rough. Well, you want to be the best, you got to be in shape, you know? So, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just the way it is. Some kids, some people just don't, they just don't take to it. You know, they don't, you're right, Nico. They, they just want, they want to, you know.
they 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 want to be sugar. They want everything to be sugar coated. I guess. And, and, and thing it's kind of like a fast food mentality. Sorry, Joel. Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's like a fast food mentality. People people want to start out sprinting. They don't know how to crawl yet. You know, that's that's the problem with our society. Well, yeah, and I mean, in this, at least I take this seriously because somebody, unlike me, now music can make you smile or make you cry. Uh, what we do, you can lose your life. Okay, you you can get killed. You can die because you can get because of your ability, your, your, you think you have, you know, the level of ability that you may not have. And, you know, you can get yourself into a situation that you're in trouble, you know, um, with music. Generally speaking, the worst that can happen is you get embarrassed or you don't get the gig or you don't get the band. And, you know, you, you, your heart gets broken a little bit. But, I mean, unless you're playing in front of a real rough crowd, I don't know anybody who ever got shot and killed or something like that for hitting the wrong note, you know. But, I mean, I'm sure it probably has happened, but you get my point. So I take what I teach extremely seriously, okay? Um, and even if you're a coach of a complete sport martial art, just total sport martial art, you know, um, You've got to realize that your students may think, well, I can, I can handle anybody. I can, you know, I'm winning all these tournaments. I can handle somebody. And then they find out they can't. So you, you, we have an obligation um, to never let somebody leave thinking they're better than what they are. I would rather have you dislike me by me telling you you're not as good as, as you are or just, you know, you, maybe you're just not as good. Um, than to lie to you and say, oh yeah, you can beat you can beat up everybody. You're you're fine in any situation now. Uh uh-uh. uh you no, I won't do that because it's that's that's not the proper way. You know, unless the guy is, you know, really, you know, is trained for years with me and's got it all down pat. Um and even then you have to always have caveats. You know, their 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 mind has to be in the game. So it's a struggle. It's a balancing act. And I know other places, uh, you know, give promotions and this and that, and they do all of this to, you know, it's a, it's a feel good club, you know, but uh, I'm not that club. I'm not a member of that club and I don't want to be a member of a club like that. I want to be a member of the real realization, the reality club, you know, where it's, I'm a realist is what it is. I think it's gotta be tough for, um, specifically coaches who are running a business who have to make a living at it. I think that when you talk about balancing act, because, you know, a completely hardcore instructor is going to have like a small group of guys who are dedicated, but they're not going to have probably enough to make a living off of, you know? I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And, but I mean, seriously, and I think they're even like, I'll keep going back to music. I mean, you know, there's, a, there's gotta be a, you've got to read the audience too a little bit and it's got to be tough to figure out, well, how do I keep this person inspired to keep working at it? So they do the fundamentals, but also that they, they get some joy out of it. Now, obviously like for fighting, uh, it may be, but even so, like, even though like end game, it's serious business, you know, it's life or death, but still sometimes some of the drilling and stuff can be fun. I think hitting the pads, hitting a heavy bag, uh, it can feel good. I think like a lot, any, anybody who's trained, kind of can, can enjoy that, you know, that aspect of it or, or something. They might find some happiness uh, just in the physicality of it. Um, and so, you know, bouncing, like, you know, if we just have someone, and I, I think there's 
there are like a very small handful of students, you know, like you talk about yourself, you spent months just doing calisthenics before Rod Vaughn showed you anything. I think most, you know, nine out of 10, maybe 99 out of hundred people would be out of the door, but he wasn't trying to make a living. He's like, I'm going to show you the way I show you, or, you know, it's my way or the highway and you made the right choice. But, you know, if you got a business, like if I'm teaching, like there's a guitar school that my son went to, um, you know, and they had a balance. Well, how much theory and scales do I have in practice? Or do I give him some stuff that will make him feel like he's making some progress and enjoying it? So he keeps doing something with the guitar. As long as he's got the guitar in his hands and coming back every week, you know, he was inspired. So they'd have him bring in songs and they'd be like, all right, let's deconstruct this song. You want to learn this song? Let's deconstruct it and see what chords there are. And you're going to practice these chords and we're going to work towards something that you enjoy. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's tough. So I think like, yeah, I think like a beginner's class for fighting. Yeah. You've got to start with stance and footwork and things like that. But, you know, I think also getting them maybe to hit something, you know, by the yeah. end of the class might feel good. Um, it's tough. It's, 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 I think that's the, what, you know, professional instructors, I think no matter what you're teaching um, if you're trying to expand your student base, that, that is, uh, you know, not everybody can do it. I think it's, you know, constant, you know, uh, reevaluation and, and adjustment as you go. Well, one of the things with music is it's so readily available. <clears throat> you, you know, I, I mean, there's people that literally <clears throat> have music on from the minute they wake up until the minute they go to sleep. You know, I mean, their radio and music at work or whatever. And as a music student, you can hear a guitar riff. Let's say you're a guitarist. You could hear a guitar riff. Yeah, that's it. Boy, that's insp inspiring. So you're immersed in music quite a lot. Whereas with fighting, you're not naturally, you know, you're just, you're not, you know, it's just not that available. And it's more, you know, fighting is a visual thing to watch, you know, uh, so it, it's a whole different kind of uh, verve there. Um, and I get that. But I feel that a, a good way is to explain everything to someone here. This is what you're going to have to do. If you want to embark on training, you're going to, you're going to be doing this, 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 and this down the, down the line, you know, and, and, uh, you know, expose them to that because kind of like with this photography thing or this videography thing with me, you see the videos, you can go and watch somebody's video and you'll see the the beauty of it, right? The the guy looks great. The background's cool. Everything's nice. You don't know what went into the get, getting there. You have no idea un, unless they pan the camera around and you get to see how everything is set up and all the editing and all the crap that they have to do to get it to look that beautiful, right? That's the same with fighting. You can look at somebody and say, wow, this guy's great. This gal's great. Tough, tough, tough. But most people don't realize what did they what went into that, what got them to that point, and it's hard work. It's it's a lot of mon monotony. It's a lot of difficulty, and you know it, it's definitely not for everybody. And uh, I just think it needs to be exposed. You know, you need to tell people in the very beginning <clears throat> if you want to get as good as such and such person, you're going to have to really sacrifice and dedicate your life and be honest. You have to be honest. And, you know, there's a lot of dishonesty in, in this line of work, you know, with people not being true to themselves is what I mean. You know, they may not be training 
as much as they try to tell you, and as a good coach, you know, because you'll, you'll see their, the results aren't there. And you know exactly what it is you're giving them. And it should be easy to progress. So I think you, you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, I would love to fight as good as, you know, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. But I have to realize I can't do it. Well, I'll give somebody that kind of credit. You know, I, that's somebody that I, would, I wouldn't mind helping. You know, okay, so you're never going to be a world champ. You don't have the discipline or the drive or the ability or whatever it is to get there. So let's just take it down a notch. Let's just, you know, where do you see yourself? What kind of, where do you want to go with this? So, um, but also remember this, you, you're, you're attaching your name to your student. If your student is being honest with people, you know, uh, you're attaching your name and there's going to be limits at least I feel that way, you know, that um, I don't want someone, I'm not going to have somebody labeled, you know, uh, of me or by me or whatever, unless they are putting in some sort of effort to it. I, I won't, I mean, not everybody that I train will be a world champion. I get it. But, you know, I'm not going to have a guy who just sits there and says, well, I just want to be a bum. You know, I just want to know a few things. Well, then watch a video on YouTube or, go on my website and watch some clips, you know, because you have to put in some effort to train with me. It's just that simple. You guys know that. For students too, they've got a, I think you were mentioning how many, like, you know, hundreds of hours you've probably put in researching this is I think they've, I think got to be encouraged and kind of realize that, you know, there's going to be, it's not going to be a straightforward path of learning, you know, because you're going to run into all different kinds of instructors and all different kinds of sources of information uh, before you find maybe that instructor that you click with that, Oh, this is what I was missing. You know, a lot of times, you know, I don't know how many countless hours I've put in into, you know, uh, grappling instruction and wrestling before I find, Oh, this is what, you know, this is what clicks for me. This is how I do that takedown. You know, it's the way they articulate it. It lights it, you know? And I think, reconciling yourself with the fact that sometimes it's not, you know, and this could be even an academic subject. Sometimes you have to come at it a few times before it clicks, you know, and uh, it's, it's not always going to be laid out in the kind of like, you know, ideally we'd want it like the way you're describing, Hey, this is ground zero. This is the light bulb you use, but quite often people, your sources of information are kind of coming at from all different audiences and all different. And so, um, you know, you just have to kind of brace yourself. I think that's almost like the uh, uh, the price of an education is some of that time of what I would say almost like uh, time misspent. You know, you get a lot of coal before you get to the diamonds. Um, it's tough. It's a tough journey. Well, it is. It, and, and again, you were talking about the takedown, you know, and you can break down any technique and see step-by-step step, slow motion how the, the person did that technique. And you'll sit there and you'll say, okay, now I got it. I did it in super slow motion and I saw how he or she did that technique. No, you don't have it because you don't know the preparatory exercises, the preparatory drills that this person did to be able to pull that move off. So there's a lot of hidden things going on. And this is what I'm trying to get across. This is what I'm trying to articulate to people, not just on today's podcast, but in general, there's things that you have to do before you're even capable of pulling off a technique. 
So just like doing your scales, there's other things that will make your scales even better or your playing better. And that's your musical exercises, you know. Um, these are the hidden things. You know, these are exercises that you pro- you'll never hear in a song, okay, um, because they're not musical per se. Uh, and it's the same with the fighting. There are techniques are uh, exercises that will enhance your techniques. And that's why I always said it's very imperative to when you're tired or when you're something's wrong in your training, stop practicing for that night because you're going to be re your, your, your muscle memory. It's You're going to be feeding it junk. You know, you have to pull off all the drills and all the uh, stuff perfectly. And you can't do that unless you're fit. Okay. The, the more fit you are, the longer you can practice successfully. That's the secret. Now, all of us know, anyone who's ever been to a commercial gym knows that, for the most part, the conditioning is glossed over. Yes, you'll do some jumping jacks, and yes, you'll do this and that, you know, whatever, warm-ups. You know, <laughs> really, I got, you know, it's better than nothing, I guess, but it really is nothing. You've, you've. You have to dedicate as much, if maybe not, if not more training to that, to the fitness, to the strength and cardio. That is what it's all about. I mean, you got to be in shape. Um, and, you know, look at how many instructors that there are out there. It just don't live it. Okay. It's hard to say when you're a big blimp, you know, when you can't hardly walk up a flight of steps and you're going to tell everybody how important fitness is, you know, this is why for me, and this is what I, I, I loved about Rodvan and Luthez. They stayed in shape. Okay. They, they, they stayed fit until way in their advanced years. That's what I loved about Kevin. My friend that got killed in the plane crash from the gym. He was amazingly in shape. And he was, you know, 70. You know, that's what it's all about. It's a lifestyle. It's the way it is. And, you know, I just, I'm sorry, but I see so many instructors that are just not fit. I see some athletes that just aren't fit. You know, and it's hard to take, you know, you got to look past that. You know, I mean, you you, you don't take them seriously, but you, you, you take their word, what they say about training seriously, if, if they if they were ever in shape. You know, it's just sad that I've seen some guys that just were, you know, maybe something at one point just let themselves go. You know, once they hit 35 or something, this and that, they just, or you know, they just, man, blow up. I don't, I don't get that. So, yeah, it, it's I, just a pet peeve of mine because, you know, being in shape, fitness, I mean, this six kills me that I'm not going to the gym pounding iron through all of this, but I can't because I told you, so I don't want to catch something, give it to my mom. So, but I'm still the same size. I'm not, you know, um, blowing up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of myself. So, um, yeah, fitness is, is so important. And that, you know, and the exercises, that's the, if there's any secret techniques, that's it being in shape. I think that's the problem with a lot of people. They don't want to do the work that it takes 
um, as like a prerequisite before they should even be starting the techniques and the training. Most people don't want to put in that work. They just want everything instantly. It's like a, like a drive through. Well, I used to have a prerequisite list before you came to train with me. You had to do this, 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 and this, and that just, you know, guys who thought they were in shape, they couldn't do it, but it saves a lot of time, you know, it, and, and it makes your training more valuable because you're not breaking down, so to speak. And we're not always, you know, we're not having a stop. Okay. And uh, because you can't, you can't handle it from a physical standpoint. Um, and that's, that's the problem. Now there are people that I've trained that have no desire to be a doer. They want to be a coach and they're they're They have to practice physically. Don't get me wrong, but that's not their main focus. Their main focus with me is to garner the knowledge so that they can pass it on, especially some guys who are a little bit older that enrolled in the Tri-C program, and that was their thing. So I'm all good for that. That's great. See, that's one of those things where they're telling me up front, I'm not going to be a killer. I'm not going to be a world champ. This is what I want, okay? I want to be able to pass this knowledge on. And, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that. I can admire somebody, you know, saying that and wanting that. But, yeah, you know, uh, even they know, though, that fitness is the foundation one of the foundations of, of all of this. And then the techniques themselves have foundations, you know, basics and the fundamentals. And really, isn't it funny, guys, no matter what, when it always really does boil back down to that. It's to the fundamentals, fundamentals. And, um, and that's, that's how it is in life. It's a science. Life is, the world is based on physics and you know you can't cheat the laws of physics or everything's going to come tumbling down and if you don't have that proper foundation you're it's going to come tumbling down so you know you need instructors out there much like i said with this videography thing that can explain all of this to you and make it you know very succinct and get the point across and and then you then, then the fun can begin. Like Joe was talking about having a good time hitting the bags or doing whatever. Yeah, you you can you 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 can have a lot of fun, but it isn't a lot of fun when you're gasping for breath, you know, or you know you you can't even raise your arms anymore, you know, you're ready to drop dead, you know, on the floor because you know you're you're at the point of total exhaustion because you're not in shape, you know. So if you're in shape, you can have a lot of fun. You know, or if you have the rudiments of the of the technique down where you're not always fumbling around on something, it could be fun. And you know, just it but it takes a it takes a bit of time, you know, to get there. Six months, a year, who knows? But everybody's different, but it you know, you you, you gotta put that effort in. Yeah, going back to what Joe said before about I, I think it's important to find an instructor that can explain things that in a way that clicks with you. And for me, I always gravitated toward instruction that would someone that would point out all of the minute details and really establish that. Like, for example, like if somebody, somebody is teaching a top wrist lock or Kimura, whatever, uh, Americana. And they're just like, Oh, you grab it like this, you frame it, and you torque it. I don't want that. <clears throat> like when I go to Tony, and he's like, we're basically working on the grip for like the first 30 minutes to get that right. <laughs> that's that's the instruction I want. I want 
to get all of these minute details in order before I even start getting to, you know, the bigger picture. To me, that is, that clicks with me. That's how I like to learn. And, and I think, you know, once I, once I got it, I really got it. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. That's where I don't want you to have to struggle through things that maybe I had to struggle with or, or this or that. Yeah. And it, it, but uh, you know, again, there's a lot of instructors that just don't know. They don't know, really know. They were never taught this because their instructors didn't know the finite, you know, details. You see, even in this, even in medicine. Okay. I could talk about that. My, my mom had a doctor make come to the house the other day. Um, part of her uh, yearly thing. And she was cool. The doctor was all cool, you know, or just talking and this and that. But even though she's a doctor and she's probably phenomenal, she doesn't know all the ins and outs. You know why? Because she's not a scientist. And there's a difference there. And that's what I've tried to do. Be a scientist, so to speak. Know everything there is possible to know from a technical standpoint on these submissions or whatever, you know, the techniques, I should say, not necessarily just submissions. And, you know, many people aren't, you know, and they can get by not being it, you know, just like doctors don't have to be scientists. Okay. You don't have to have it. You know, you can just do what you, you know, do what you do. But for me, that was never enough. Okay. I, it's, it was just never enough to be shown something, memorize it and then go on. Okay. That, Again, let me hark back to music. That's like being taught a song, you know, one way. And that's the only way you can do it for the rest of your life. You can't change it. Well, I don't want to be like that. Okay? I mean, I want to know the theory behind it so I can improvise, so I can modify. And that's how I teach you guys to fight, so you can improvise, so you have that grip. You now know that grip. And you should know that grip in and in and out from all different sort of angles and positions and conditions. That's my goal is to get you to be a scientist when it comes to this, to know more about this than anybody in the world, you know, just to know everything. So you can blow anybody out of the water talking about this and you can look and see where they're good. You can look at someone and say, yep, that guy's got it or nope. I can see why he's, what he's missing, and then you can articulate it. You can say why he's, why it's ineffective. And that's how you can self-analyze, you know, because you're your own coach in the end of it, you know, because especially when it comes to fighting, if you're in a street fight nine times out of ten, you know, I'm not going to be there for you. You're going to have to figure this out on your own, how to, you know, adjust, make the adjustments, and you can't do that if you don't have that science of it, you know, that the ins and outs. And that, I told you, that's why I don't like a lot of the people that I see doing stuff because they don't, I can see their flaws a mile away because they just did, they just don't, they're not following the laws of science or the laws of physics. They're making things harder for themselves or they're not doing it as efficiently as it could be done. And, you know, it's just like listening to a shitty musician. After a while, you just say, you know, I, I can't listen to this guy anymore, you know? I'm going to go put on some George Benson or something. You know, um, this is how it is. I'm a stickler for that. Tony, I think that's a very, very important point that you brought up is to learn the concepts as opposed to a bunch of techniques. Because once you know the concepts, you know 
what makes things work, how, how these techniques work, then you can apply this to many different things. And that reminds me of back when I was in school, I had a really good English teacher uh, teaching us language and, and how to understand basically any word. And instead of just learning and memorizing a bunch of these big fancy words, she taught us all of the roots of each word. And we actually, we went back to Greek mythology because most of the words come from that. And we learned what make, you know, what made each word. And then before you know it, at the end of the course, I could take any, a, a word from the dictionary. I don't even know. And I understand exactly what that word means. And I think that applies to training. If you can understand the concepts and the, the mechanics of these techniques, you can apply to multiple, a huge wide variety of techniques. You can improvise and use the mechanics and the concepts as opposed to just memorizing a bunch of set of techniques. I think to me that is, you know, real learning and also can be an art form because then you're introducing your own, uh, your own art, your own artistic ability to improvise because you know the concept so well. Well, that's very well put. And I, I, I cannot agree more. That is just hitting the nail on the head and you use the word concepts. And yeah, we are all individuals, you know, we're not automatons, you know, and that's, you know, I don't want a, a, a gym full of robots, you know, and yeah, we all, and that's the key. Yeah. You are able to put your own intellect and your own ability into it, you know, and you're built differently than I am or Joe. So naturally you're going to have to make your own adjustments, but it has to be based on science. And if it's based on science, it doesn't matter your size, you, you'll be able to, you know, to, to, to know um, what can and cannot be done. So for example, I mean, this is going to sound fanciful, but you know, if you're going up against a 20, uh, somebody who was like 20 feet tall, you know, these holes aren't, you're, you, you know what, you, you can't do certain things because you know the science behind it, okay? <laughs> you're not going to be able to jab somebody if they're 20 feet tall, you know, I mean, you can't reach the guy. You have to have, you have to have the knowledge and the ability that, to know how, what you can do, you know, how can you adjust, make this adjustment and when to abandon it, knowing that, okay, this isn't going to be that effective for whatever reason, Um. And that just comes with, you know, a deep knowledge base. It doesn't have to be vast. And that's another pet peeve. So many people want to learn new techniques, new techniques. You don't even know the old techniques. You don't have them mastered. We talked about this before, so we don't have to bring it up again. But it, it's always good to remind people, especially if they're new to the podcast. Um, it's not how many techniques you know. It's just how good are you with what you know. And if you can be world-class at a couple techniques, that's your bread and butter, man. That's, you know, you're there. You can, you can set things up in your fighting ability to be able to get to that position uh, to, to utilize your, your excellent techniques that you know, be it striking or grappling or something along those lines. It's, it's, but um it just seems like, you know, everybody's trying to come up, come up with a new flavor. Remember years ago? Well, Nico, you're, you, you would remember this long before cable TV when you only had three major networks. You couldn't put on BS television shows. 
I mean, you know, you really had to try. You had to put in some kind of effort to get a good show on, to draw everybody's attention. And if the show wasn't good, it got canceled. If it was good, it stuck around, you know, or developed. They gave it a little rope to develop, a, you know, a following. And now, you know, with all the different cable channels, I mean, they, 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 they don't, you can't have that kind of talent. They're just, it's not out there. So they put a lot of BS shows on there um, just to fill time. Well, you don't want to be a fighter like that. You don't want to be, in essence, filling time with bullshit techniques, you know, that that just won't work, okay, or may work once in a lifetime, once in a blue moon. You know, you need that core. And I've talked about 10, like in the past, those 10 submission holds and so on that you must know that you can't, you know, they're available in damn near every single encounter. Um. And I always look at boxing because that's, you know, to me, the premier striking art. You don't see boxing coming up with a hundred different strikes. You know, boxing's been around for so long and it's still using the most basic primitive strikes. There's a reason for that because they're effective. They're incredibly effective. And they're trained. The guy's trained so because there's only a few that they need to learn so they can work at it incessantly. And, yeah, it just bothers me for the students that just continually want to know, show me something new, show me something new, show me something new. Those are the types that I know they don't get it. They're, they don't get it, okay? Um, and, it's, and it's really sad because if more people got it, there'd be a lot more people who uh, would be, you know, on the path of greatness. See, I've always been on the opposite spectrum. It's not, not so much as show me something new from the standpoint of a student. I'm always thinking, show me what I'm doing wrong. You know, I want to know all these little details that I'm doing wrong. And I think a lot of people sadly don't want to hear that. They can't take that. And I want to know what I'm doing wrong so I can correct it. You know? You're the perfect student. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't even like to, I'm just going to refer to you as that, you know, you're my friend and I love you. So that, so that's not, but yeah, that's how you, that's it. That's you just hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it's not about the teacher and his ego or her ego. It's about you. And you're right. I wish every student I had ever would be like, I want to know everything that's wrong with me. I want to know everything that I'm doing wrong. And I promise you, Tony, that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on it. That's what you, that's what I want. And that's, that's why you're going to be great, Nico. Um, there's just no way you cannot be great. As long as you keep that up, that kind of attitude, you know, we all need to know our faults and our flaws, not to the point where you're beaten down like a, you know, like a wicked, violent animal, but you know, it's, it's, you know, people who cannot take criticism in any walk of life, even as, you know, friends, if you can't take criticism, we all know people like that. Boy, do I know people like that. These are just people that I, no matter how hard I try, it's a fail. You're going to fail with somebody like that. And you will not fail because you have the right attitude. And Joe does as well, too. Yeah, I think something I learned from a good friend of mine, Dion Ricardo, is he told me when, when you're teaching somebody, he, he gave me a, a method to basically correct somebody to, I guess, soften it so – they don't get defensive right away, but it was, it was called 
praise, correct praise. So basically you point out, point out something they're doing right first and then say, okay, but you need to work on this, you know, so you kind of soften the blow a little bit. Cause a lot of people, I think their ego rises up right away and they get defensive right away. And then right there, they're just, they're not willing to learn at that point. So I think that could work in some instances, but some people, they just don't want to hear any correction. They don't yeah. want to hear what they're doing wrong. No, they don't. They're just, and, 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 and sadly, it's not an isolated case. There's, there's quite a few percentage wise that are like that. They're just, they don't want to hear it, you know? Um, and they use that against you, you know, that it's, it's like, and, and, and it all, yeah, it, it's just some of that. It just, it's human nature. You know, it, it, it's not even about the training. This is just how they are as, as human beings in any subject. Um, yeah, and we all have our soft spots, of course. But, yeah, uh, there's good ways and bad ways of saying things. But still, you know, you have to realize that, you know. So what I'm getting at is let's just say, you, you know, your your double leg it was was not very good. And I'd say, you know, that was the worst double leg I ever saw. You know, you're a joke. You know, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Well, you can hate me, all right? You could, you could say he's a jag off for saying that. Wow, how mean is he? You know, I don't like that. Uh, but as long, but you still got to sit there and say, well, you know, okay, so yeah, my yeah, my double leg does suck. Okay, so but I'll work on it. But I don't like his attitude. That's one thing. But to sit there and say, oh, he's a jerk. He doesn't know what he's talking about. My double leg is fine. No. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I can still be a jerk. I could have said it like a jag off, but I'm still right. Right? <laughs> so that's not that's how you have to look at things, man. But yeah, I I used to be a stern guy, you know, yell, scream, all this because that's how I was taught. And everything in my life has always been yelled at. You know, I've been yelled at more than anybody. Uh that's all I know. If somebody's talking nice to me, I'm getting nervous. Okay. I'm like, what's this person up to, man? Shit. <laughs> I don't trust this person at all. Um, you know, like a, if a girl says, yeah, that Tony, he's just, he's no good. He's all stuck up. Oh, man, I know it, man. She likes me, man. I know what she does, right? <laughs> he really wants me. But if she's like, oh, he's so nice. He's so sweet. I'm like, yeah, forget it. This is going nowhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, and it's just the way it is, though. You know, the, you, you got to try. But like I said back in the beginning of the podcast, this this is about saving your life. Yeah, there's times to quit the jokes, you know, and like this will get you killed. You know, if you if you get into a situation with the wrong person, you're going to die because you're not good enough. You know, that, that's just you know what it's all about here in the in the end of it all is like you're not ready to go out there and use these techniques that I'm that I've showed you. You're not there yet. You know, you're not good enough, even competitively. Don't do it. You know, like you can't take two or three lessons in in wrestling with you know division let's say ncaa or olympic champion and 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 be ready to compete at that level you can't in three lessons or whatever it is four lessons five lessons takes years and years of dedication to get to that level and i just think people are looking for miracles and they don't exist they not in this world you know not in this realm okay the miracle is if i can get you to practice so hard every day, to dedicate hours every day, that's the miracle. And everything else will fall into place if you do it and, you, and you're practicing the, the correct 
and the pertinent stuff. And that's another podcast for another time. We're going to talk about pertinence. There's so much training out there that people are just, not that the training itself isn't any good, but it doesn't pertain to you. You're wasting your time. It's going to actually hinder your ability um, to grow. And that's something that we should discuss another time. But, uh, but yeah, it's just all of this just stemmed for me today. This podcast was the, the, the sheer frustration of trying to just get, get a straight answer on something. You know, just tell me this and that. Like, let's get specific here. They don't. They, they just can't. I mean, and believe me, videography is a lot easier than fighting. So there, there, there should be no, you know, th- this should be not, uh, there's no hidden secrets here. It's just that the people don't, they're not coached. They're not, they're not coach friendly. They're, they, don't, they don't know how to coach. <laughs> they don't know how to instruct and how to tell somebody this, you know, cause this is really simple. Okay. These people make podcasts or video logs or their vlogs. They know exactly, get a tape measure out. How far are you from the camera? How far are you from the lights? I mean, this isn't speculation here. These, these are concrete facts. Share them. Tell us these things. Exactly. Like somebody posted, they were, they said something like, uh, okay, I thought this was it. I figured I, all right, I got the right, I'm going to learn something here. I think this person said something like, Okay, so I'm like in this view, I'm I'm like one foot away from the camera. Then in the next view, I moved further back. Well, he blew it. He had his one chance to 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 get my interest, and he failed. How further back? You know, if you can say you're one foot from the camera, are you now two, three, three and a half? How far back? And that's how instructors need to be that specific. You know, yes, you have to put your thumb here when you're doing the top wrist lock because of, and, and, and you, then you stop the class and you start talking about physics. And, you know, Archimedes, give me a lever, I'll move the world. You have to start teaching them all about how getting further away from the, you know, the fulcrum and all this stuff. You have to get this knowledge to some people, okay, because they don't have it. Or they may have studied math, but they don't relate what they learned in a classroom to doing this on, on a human body. Okay. Um, and you have to do that. I mean, I feel you have to. And yet I, you know, when I see somebody grab up here, I'm like, this guy does not know. He just, it may work because he's going up against fish, but this isn't right. I mean, this is like having, you know, three round tires and one square. Yeah, the car is still going to move, but it is going to move as good as it can because of that square tire. You know, you've got to learn science and, and the anatomy and, and all of this. And, you know, it's – so that's how it was with me with this one month long or however long I've been doing this, uh, trying to get this stuff learned or so I can make a better presentation. I have the knowledge. I can – you know, I have the – the content as they call it i i can do that but i just wanted to make it presentable and part of it is because now with these podcasts we have joe cardinal here who by joe's own admission joe tells me i'm a he says tony i'm a beautiful man okay and i don't hear anybody arguing with him so now everybody's expecting beauty if i do this youtube thing so i don't have the physical pulchritude that joe does who does nobody does really 
So I got to, I got to use the lighting tricks and camera angle tricks and all this. So it's all because of Joe. Definitely. I definitely need a more professional presentation. I think um, I definitely, I don't think the audience is getting the full effect that they would in person. <laughs> they can't handle really, it. Yeah. They can't. It's like looking at the know. sun, you know, you got to. Exactly. I mean, we should give them a box like they do when the, when there's an eclipse cut out a hole, can't look directly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like the, like the first time, I mean, I heard all about Joe Cardinal, this and that. And the first time he came to my gym 20 years ago, all I could say, I took one look at him and all I could say was, wow. And I say that now 20 years later, I'm like, wow. I mean, that's, I don't know if that goes back, if that word, Nico would know, does that word go back to Greek mythology? Wow. Because I that sums so. up Joe Cardinal. I believe so. Yeah. See? But, I mean. But, again, not everybody can be there. So you don't want to discourage those who can't be there. You know, like you said, with you know, there's going to be people who are world-class athletes. Same in the realm of personal beauty. And you can't all, you don't want everybody to you know set their standards you don't want to discourage them out of the gate set goals that are reasonable for yourself so like tony when you're thinking about this no matter what you do with the lighting and the cameras no matter how many youtube videos there's going to be limits yeah i know so i just don't want to hear that right now because you know i my whole goal is to you know videography wise i want to be you I mean, well, you know, I've got to follow Nico's technique. I should have led with something positive. Like that's a really great plant you've got behind you, Tony. (laughs) Now, if you could do something about your hair, something like that. Yeah. See, that's maybe you and Nico can. Now you got it, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) He's correct. Praise. Exactly. (laughs) See, you need to get with Nico more because now that that touched me. Now you made your point. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, you know, Yeah. Say something else like that. <laughs> Let's just practice live because that's good. Yeah. See, I'm glad that, you know, and hopefully, you know, you'll take away something constructive for yourself and, you know, be back for more. I can, I can assess further. Okay. It's kind of well, my tri C program. If we <laughs> sign up, we can kind of, you know, I can take you under my wing and guide you and share my wealth okay. of knowledge. The Joe okay. C program. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I'll be your first student. Speaking of that, I got to get a hold of Paul Dodds because he was my first Tri-C enrollee student. So we, we got to get him on the show in January. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I've been so lax. I'm supposed to call Tom Antion. I totally forgot because I've been so busy dealing with my mom and just trying to get this camera stuff and everything. I got to hunker down next week and get some personal stuff done. I got to work on getting a caregiver here and everything else and da-da-da. It's just been, oh. And tomorrow's going to be. I'm going to be out of the loop because she's got two people coming over 10 to 12. And then she's got a zoom meeting with a counselor from one to two. And then the doctor's appointment at five and I got to go grocery shopping. Uh, so tomorrow's going to be, Tony's going to be out of commission, I think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, you know, it's just, I, I, I love, you know, like I I've been lucky. I've, I've had some really good te- great teachers actually in my life musically. And, you know, of course, fighting wise and just in general i've met you know um people that i can learn a lot from in a lot of things um but you know part of it is you know i was taught at an early age or maybe i don't know maybe it was just intrinsic with me but i learned how to learn knowing how to learn like nico knows how to learn 
Nico knows, okay, I'm not doing this right. I need to reach out to someone no matter what and find out what, you know, correct me here. How do I get this right? Nico can self-analyze. Joe can too. You know, you know how to, you know, when you're messing up too, Joe, you know, because you'll come loaded with questions. I, Tony, I'm struggling with this or that. Um, and that's like really important, you know, and not, not to be ashamed or to be um, embarrassed to say, Hey, I don't get this. I'm having, I'm struggling here because we all struggle. Maybe not on the same technique or the same thing, but we all struggle at something. Believe me. And it's just a matter of Nico hit the word on the head or nail on the head with the word humble. You got to humble yourself and say, Hey, I don't know. And hopefully you can find a straight shooter, man. Hopefully you can find somebody that'll, you know, give you a quick, honest assessment. I had a really, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do now with my training, and I, I thought it was helpful. I'll probably express it, but I heard someone describing a certain skill and they're like, you know, I can show you this in an hour. It'll take me an hour to kind of lay out how to do it, but it's going to take you, you know, plan to spend a hundred hours trying to practice it to get it right. So just because I can show it to you an hour doesn't mean you're going to master it. Um, and it's, and it felt, I, I like that. Not, I mean, obviously that's just a rule of thumb, you know, it's not a specific num, you know, but it was, to me, it was kind of a good objective to shoot for. Uh, so I, I've actually started tracking my time. Like uh, we do this at work actually. So you're supposed to track your time, almost like a time card. I spent this amount of time doing X, this doing Y, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a big pain in the butt. And, and, but I decided to take that actually from my training. So now I actually have like a little spreadsheet I put together um, to see what, how much time I'm actually spending on my conditioning. So I can look back and say, Oh, you know what? I thought I was working out a lot, but I really am not, you know, this week I maybe put in two, three hours. That's the most, that's not much, honestly. You know, if my goal is to hit a hundred hours grappling or let's say striking, that's going to take me a while to hit that number. You know, so I think actually almost and some people suggest journaling, too, but I think it helps uh, hopefully can inspire you. Like for me, it is. It's kind of like keeping me honest. Well, how much time am I actually spending? You know, if I'm spending 40 hours a week working and commuting and, you know, a third of your day is sleeping and, you know, you're doing all those other things. How many, you know, how many hours am I actually putting in towards uh, developing myself, whether that's my music? You know, I track that now, too. You know, and you'd be surprised a couple of days can get away from you and get you behind you can you can lose we talked about it i think at the beginning of the show we we're like wow it's been a year already right yeah time can get away from you and you know the weeks especially as we get older i think you know we just get there's so much that can distract us i mean you know whether it's our phones or media or whatever uh and can get your eye off the ball so uh that's something i'm trying that's kind of like a, a before new year's resolution is to try and track my actual time working oh. on self-improvement well, it was, Jer I think I may have mentioned something to you because Jerry Sigler told me, you know, my jazz accordion teacher, the guy that's in the beginning of this podcast in the end, I could show you everything you need to know about technique and everything in three, you know, in three days, but it's going to take you three years to, to get it, you know, to get that technique. And yeah, you know, it's good. I journal too, or I write things down. And now my goal is to get everything I need done. So come January 1st, I can start hunkering down and, and you know, getting back into the groove. Uh, of, of, you know, doing things that I need to do for me, as opposed to, you know, setting up all this technical stuff, um, you know, getting the home gym and the home studio and all that, you know, um, but I think we all need to do that. You know, we all need to 
to keep track of things. People do it with when they're dieting. They, they want to write down their calories. And, hey, you can never have too much information with that stuff. It's always nice to look at it and look back and say, oh, okay, this worked. This didn't work, right? Um, yeah, I'm all for that. I, I used to keep a log after I had my aneurysm. I started, you know, training, you know, and I kept a log of what I lifted. I even put the temperature. Because remember the old tool and die shop? Didn't have air conditioning over there. Didn't have heat. You know, so it was important to know that, okay, my lifts weren't very good today because it was 22 degrees outside. Okay, so it was probably like 40, 45 inside. You know, so, um, yeah, I kept I kept detailed journals. You know, I still have them. I'm sure they're upstairs. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But the bottom line is, yeah, chart everybody should chart their progress and you know um put goals down write your goals what you want and break those goals into bite-sized pieces so i've always said like i'll just make a number of let's say you want to bench 500 you can only bench 200 well don't just sit there at 500 as your goal make it 250 then 275 then 300 and then 325 and then 350 and so on and then make even smaller goals like your sets how many reps are you getting in at, at a certain amount of weight, how much weight do you want to put on the bar in a month? These are the goals. You know, you, you want to break everything down, make it very minute. So you're constantly positively reaffirming yourself. Okay. If you just make a lofty goal, it's like a wish. It, it, it's not even practical. You know, you, you need to make goals that are attainable. Many, many, many goals, small goals. And then when you hit your ultimate goal, be prepared for that because it could be it could be not a happy experience. I mean, it could be because you made it, yay! And then, like, now what? Now what? <laughs> where, where do I go from here? You know, you, you got to watch it because sometimes it could be a double-edged sword. And then also, sometimes you need to just take a break. You need to walk away from it. You know, um, if things aren't going right, you know, just shake your head, snap out of it, come back another day. But yeah, I was always like a dreamer. You know, I always had goals. Just wanted to. I know people that didn't, and some of them didn't need to because their life was really pretty happy. They were pretty good. They kind of glide through life. It probably could have been something even more impressive if they had to struggle. And that's why I bond with you two guys because we've all gone through struggles. And I, I appreciate people who've, who've overcome diverse, uh, adversity and. I, I just think it makes you a stronger person inside and out. And yeah, when things are easy and come to you and believe me, there are, you know, we all know people who just seem to just glide through life. Um, I don't know if they've ever really reached their potential. That's all I want to do is reach my potential. And that's all I want you guys to do is reach your potential. Yeah. I think that's um, a good point that you guys brought up about tracking you know, somehow tracking your training or your progress. I think also if there's a way you could track like the amount of time that you waste, I think could be really helpful, you know, because I talked to somebody that <clears throat> said that I guess there was a way he was able to track all his time. He was on social media. I don't remember who I was talking to, but he found out like at the end of the week, he spent way more time than he actually thought he spent waste, basically wasting time. Um, 
And I think a lot of people come up with an excuse, like, I don't have time for training. But if you actually see the amount of time that you do waste, you could, you find out that you really do have the time to do it. <clears throat> I remember when I was, I was doing personal training and we had basically a sales technique we used to do with people and uh, to, to overcome the, the objective that they don't have the money for training. And we used to basically chart down like, well, how much money do you spend on beer? How much money do you spend on cigarettes? How much money do you spend on this, that? How much money do you spend on fast food? All these unhealthy habits and people after they write it, if they're honest with themselves, after they write it out, they're really shocked at how much money they actually spend in like a week or a month. And they do have the money to spend on themselves for personal training or whatever, you know, another healthy habit. So I think that's, if there was a way to really come up with, you know, chart the time you waste, the money you waste, I think that could be a, a real reality check and very helpful as well. Well, you know, I always tell people money you can always get back or money, 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 you could blow it. But time is something you'll never get back. Okay. You never get that time back. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I'm always a stickler for that, you know, but even though let's just say you've wasted all this time and anything in life. Okay. You've wasted time or things come up and, you know, now, but now you're here. No, we don't have, we have a very finite time on earth. We don't have an infinite time, right? We only have a finite time and we don't know how long that's going to be. So it's never too late to start, you know, and you're, you just gave some sound advice, Nico, something that I never heard before. And that is how much time, let's chart how much time we waste. You know, um, yeah, when you start to think about that, it's probably astronomical, you know, it's, it's probably, you know, uh, a big number. Oh man, it's depressing. I, my phone does that. I don't know if I enabled something, but it'll be like, you spent four and a half hours looking at your phone. It's shocking. You know, now granted a lot of it's like, you know, I'm on the bus or I'm doing, but still the, the, the number of like that. Yeah. I think exactly is right. It's, it's a rude awakening. How much time time you spend looking at the mirror. Well, I mean, we're honestly, talking about useful versus not useful. You know, you got to follow your joy, Tony. That's the one thing. The one thing I've learned is you have to have a passion for something. So there's time that's well spent and time that's not like the phone, unless I'm taking a selfie, that would be excusable. Yeah. But well, I mean, I mean, we, we know you love looking at yourself. We get it. I, I mean, but on a scale, is there anything that even approaches that in your life? That kind of sense of enjoyment and that sense of awe that you get when you look at yourself? Is there anything else? Gosh, you know, no one's ever really put it to me like that. I, it's hard. It's hard to, to come up with something. You know, I might have to get back with you on that. Okay. I well, mean, just... obviously talking, once we're done talking to you guys, I feel great. Like at the end of this, I'm like, oh, thank God that's over. So that's a big high, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that... I don't have to talk to these guys for another week. So um... okay. that thing that you have hanging from the wall, that really looks nice. Right, right that's nice that's you know cute. and i and i want and, and your room looks really good you know and let's keep it looking like that you know maybe just like move your hair a little bit over this way a little bit okay i'm being positive here i'm praising the praise that that's a beautiful hanging thing you know you know because right you i you got that me. by the way that you're, you're talking about the lights behind me those are turkish and i felt that that was 
thematic for dealing with turkeys, basically, well, in the show. And, you know, I feel inferior because, to me, you look like, like a celebrity. And if anybody out there has ever seen the movie Trilogy of Terror, I mean, Joe, you look like the little terror doll at the end, you know, that with that hair and those glasses and stuff. That it's, I love it. One of the things I think the kids who are listening are going to appreciate these references, they have no idea what you're talking about, like the Trilogy of Terror. Uh, you think I have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't have any idea what I'm talking about either. I mean, yeah. Ah, yes, Trilogy of Terror. It was Karen Black, right? It was Karen Black. Yes, it was. Yeah, and I've never uh, seen it. Oh, you got actually. That's because you're about you're under the age of forty five. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there were three scene, three different you know little vignettes in this movie, all based on it's like horror. It was a horror movie, basically what it was. You know, yeah. Um, One, she was a school teacher. And the last one was this doll. I forgot what the other one was. She, she was she had a sister or something. Yeah, uh, whatever. I'm not gonna give it away. You gotta watch it. Yeah, look it up. You can probably get it on Netflix or something like that. Um, she passed away not too long ago, a few years ago. Um, I don't know. If it, I don't know if she was from Chicago or not, but I, I don't. Not that it matters, but yeah, she was pretty big when I was a kid. You know, pretty well known. We actually were going to, my buddies and I, we had a camcorder, like I think my uncle had a camcorder and we used to like try and shoot like spoof videos. And we were actually going to do the trilogy of terror with the little doll. I swear to God, because we had a doll. There was like a wrestler doll. Like I can't remember if it was Hulk Hogan or something, but it looked vaguely like one of my friends. So we were going to, because basically the premise is spoiler, the doll's evil when it comes to life and it tries to kill her. So, um, we were going to do that where we would have the doll be my friend. And then when we we'd do a lot of try and make him look like he was miniature, we go ahead and we never pulled it off, but it was one of the ideas. So we were definitely inspired by that movie quite a bit. And that would have been, that would have been classic. <laughs> I would like to have seen that. That would have been pretty good. Man. You know, <laughs> trilogy of Joe, we could call it, you know, um, you know, Joe, that's the thing, you know, also you got to have in all this training and everything is music everything you got to have a sense of humor too you know a lot of people have to you got to because it's really it's laughable at times the 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 positions that we get in or the the things that happen to us when we're training you know it's funny i mean you you got to lighten it up you know and if uh, nico never got nico you never got to meet kevin that's a shame but kevin and i used to bounce off each other bust each other's chops even when i was training guys he'd come down and say something or you know, now and then get on the mats with the guys or this or that. It was always a ball bust. You know, we, we were lighthearted about it. And it's a serious subject, but yet you, you always have to have time for some levity. You know, I mean, this is the way it is. <laughs> but I could tell everybody, I'm, I'm not your friend once we're on the mat. I'm there to teach you. But afterwards, man, you know, like we live it up, party it up and have a good time. But <laughs> so what do you guys have planned for this week? Because it's approaching Christmas. Yeah, do some gift wrapping for sure. You know, um, actually, Ben's not here at the moment, so I got to try and knock out some of his. I hate that, man. My gift wrapping is atrocious. I, no matter how much I do it, it looks like, you know, all thumbs. Like, just like I balled up the paper around it, basically. Um, but I try to do it. It's the thought that counts. That's what I keep telling myself. So gift wrapping for sure. Of course, your gift is in the mail, Tony. Just keep waiting for it. Yeah, I will. It'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, thanks, man. I'll tell. I'll talk to the postman tomorrow. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just taking it day by day. Me too, Nico. Day by day. Yeah, that's an old 60s song, you know. Um, And it's a jazz song, too. There's another. That's another thing, man. There's so many like wrestling or fighting. You have different terms, you know, that mean different things uh, or, you know, similar same name, but different means different. The same like music, same title, totally different song. It's kind of there's parallels, you know. Like Joe and the and and the little you know Swahili doll or whatever it was from you know, they used to sell those dolls, that trilogy of terror dolls. Did you know that? I'm sure we could still get them. Oh my goodness, I want, they'd probably be a thousand dollars for that thing. Well, well, they're maybe the originals, but like I'm sure there's got to be reproductions. I'm sure if you Google it, because that was a cult <laughs> classic. Man. I'd like to get one to tell you the truth. That would that way. I'd always think there's you there, like watching over me, Joe. Kind of like inspirational. Like I better get on this, or little Joe's going to come to life. It could be my motivator. Think about it. I'll see if I can get a replica. I think you can actually make, this is a true thing. You can get replicas of people as little Lego figures. Like I, I knew a guy, a buddy got his daughter made, you know, like her own. So maybe I'll get a little figure of myself for all you guys. Really? You really all should have that. You can have it like a little St. Christopher's on your car, you know, <laughs> yeah. knowing that I'm always watching over and protecting. I think that that would be pretty generous of me. Oh man, yeah, I know it. See, that's what I love about you—that humility, that humbleness. You see it, Nico. You see, yeah. we're, we're living it. I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it's you're just once again. All I could say is wow. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, wow. But you know, um, yeah, I'm just gonna more of the same here. I'm just gonna try to wrap things up today. After watching, I'm gonna watch uh, the Bears and then tonight the Steelers. Now I want to talk about that. So a couple of weeks ago, okay, the last game of the season is the Browns versus the Steelers. Now, tomorrow night, the Browns are playing the Ravens. Now, the Ravens beat the, the Browns, and the Steelers are previously beaten the Browns. But since the Steelers lost, now they're no longer undefeated. If the Steelers lose tonight to the Bills, that'll make the Steelers 11-2. and two. If the Browns win tomorrow, they'll be 10-3. and three. So theoretically, if we keep on winning – it could come down to the last game of the season and the Browns could actually win the division. Now I'm putting the cart before the horse, but I'm doing some wishful thinking here. Um, I want the Browns to beat the Ravens. I, you know, I, we've talked about my, my dis, dislike for the Baltimore Ravens uh, because they were the Cleveland Browns. The Browns moved to Baltimore and then they end up a couple of years winning the world, uh, the Super Bowl, which would have been the Cleveland Browns Super Bowl. So I have no use for Baltimore Ravens, and especially that town of all towns, because they cried like, you know, like a kid dropping his ice cream for years because the Baltimore Colts moved out of town in the middle of the night to Indianapolis. And then what do they do? They basically are the recipient of the same thing happening to the Cleveland Browns. They take our team, our model. So we're gonna. I'm going to be watching with bated breath tonight. And I'm sorry, Cousin Paul, that um, – I'm pulling. I'm pulling for the Buffalo Bills tonight against you. So this is kind of you know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm loving football again because my Browns are actually looking halfway decent. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Though tomorrow is the season as far as I'm concerned. What are your feelings in general about the Patriots? <laughs> Forget about it. Now that's another joke. Let me tell you about Bill Belichick. He was for the. He was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, went nowhere. 
And, you know, um, he's a cheater. I mean, this, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They get caught red-handed cheating. Now, imagine how many times they didn't get caught, all right? But now that Tom Brady's not there, he's not, you know, they're not steamrolling through anything here, okay? Um, so New England itself, I mean, I love New England, uh, you know, Boston and New Hampshire and all of those. I've been there many times, all, all, in, all up and through there. And the Patriots themselves as a team, I pulled for them, you know, back in against the Bears in 85 when I was in Cleveland, um, shooting pool that day, watching a Super Bowl to a Super Bowl party. But but I don't like Bill Belichick, okay? So if they get rid of Belichick, I, I have no problem with New England. Um, but right now, no, I don't I don't care for them, um, you know, because of Belichick. It's, just, it's, you know, just it's that simple with me. The guy cheated, he got caught, and, you know, he, more than once. And, you know, I don't even care about Tom Brady. Forget about it. You know, I don't even want to get into that. Uh, but it is what it is. But uh, for me, I, I just – I'll always be a Browns fan, Indians fan, Cavaliers fan. Uh, I've, I've, I've been lucky that I've seen the Cavs win, win it all. I've seen the Indians close to winning twice, coming down to the, basically the last inning of, of the World Series twice. Um, but the Browns, they've never made it to the Super Bowl, And I, I, I want that to happen. I want them to win it all. That would be to me, I'm an Indians, probably the Indians winning the world series, but would be probably the ultimate, but very, very close second would be the Cleveland Browns, man. I'd love to see that happen. Anybody going to give me odds? <laughs> <laughs> or remember, just like two, three years ago, Cleveland was 0-16. I think they went 1-15 and and then 0-16. Okay, now they're 9-3. Now, I'm going to admit, they're, they're not like steamrolling. I mean, they did last week. They looked good. They kind of li- lightened up in the fourth quarter, but they played very well. But we don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, think the Browns are like the greatest team in the NFL right now. I'm worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the ones who I'm concerned with, okay? Um, I'm not concerned with, frankly, anybody in the NFC, but the AFC, I'm worried about the Chiefs, worried about the Steelers, even though they didn't have a good game last, you know, uh, Monday night, I think they played. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I think if the Browns leave Cleveland again, their odds will improve dramatically. That's just learning from history. Yeah, that it is a nice that Turkish lamp. Yeah, really, really pretty. I like that Turkish lamp in your background there. I really do. And uh, you know, um, I'd like to get you. You know, again, we're gonna we're gonna keep on focusing here on praising the praise. It's a beautiful lamp. It's a beautiful lamp. It's a really beautiful lamp. Yeah, I'm gonna just stay right there, and I'm gonna end. You know, I'm not gonna say any more about your comment, Joe. Okay, because yeah, that's a really beautiful lamp. What do you think of the Turkey country? What do you think of Turks? They had some good wrestlers, Joe. Good coffee, Turkish coffee. Arabica. Yeah, I love, you know, I have my two cups of coffee in the morning, and every now and then I push it, and I have the third cup, and then the panic attacks start. I can't have three cups. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, I have a limit. I have a limit of two cups of coffee. That's it. I can't have three cups in a row. 
Now, Kevin, he used to drink coffee all day. He would go to go through two to three pots of coffee. It was amazing. You okay. made, did you make it real watered down or did no. you make it strong? Well, I wouldn't say he made it super strong. He made it normal like you would get, you know, but it's not watered down. It wasn't watered down. But, yeah, he, 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 boy, he loved his coffee and get that caffeine rush, I guess. Boy, you know, it's just, it's, I cannot believe it's going to, you know, in, Jan, in July, it's going to be four years since he's, he got killed. It's just, to me, that's still the most heartbreaking thing, the shock. Uh, you know, man, was he something else, strong as a bull, knowledgeable, this and that, funny. Yeah. We used to say he had the luck of the Irish. Well, you know what? His luck, you know, it ran out in the end. Um, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of that guy. You know, my life would be so much better if he was around. But, you know, you, things happen. You know, but as far as me today, the Bears, what do you think, Joe? You think they're going to win today or not? Sure, why not? <laughs> Following it at all, so. Oh, you're not following. Well, okay. Well, I'm just humoring you, Tony. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about your ball sports. It sounds great. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope they hope they score a lot of uh, three pointers. Good. Well, baseball, football, basketball, only and all takes one ball to be a fighter and takes two balls. Just remember that kid. You'll grow up and be somebody one of these days. I'm always aiming for those two. Yep. You know, I'm sure you are. I was thinking about that yesterday when Jason was talking. I was like, "That's what are you talking about? That's a prime target for me. (laughs) Well, it is a prime target if if it's done right. I mean, Jesus, just like the eyeballs, man. You know, nobody lifts weights with their eyelids. I don't care how big you are, how much you can lift and, you know, this and that. It was, you know, those eyeballs, man, they're they're very susceptible to uh, attack. And, uh, yeah. Although, you know, I, I remember seeing those, the Asian world of martial arts, I think it was called, um, Aaron Banks would put that show on. It would be on Wide World of Sports as a kid. They'd have these martial art guys, and I don't know if it was rigged or, or what, because I was a kid, but they would take full groin kicks, full strikes to the groin and shit like that, and it, it, they, it wouldn't phase them. I've seen that too. It's got to be a, it's got to be fake. I can't believe it. That stuff isn't, I've seen that where the guys are like upside down and they'll bring down like boards under the guy's groin. Or this is after your time, but I'm sure maybe Nico, you've seen some of those jackass videos of the stuff that they'll let people like <laughs> hit them in the groin with stuff. It still to this day it horrifies me, man. There was this one something Ben was watching on YouTube, but it was something where the kids could win like an Xbox or some shit. But they basically had a choice between three things: they could either, I don't, know, I swear it was like someone hitting him with a golf club in the groin, or like taking a kick there, or it was just. I don't get it. Like, no, nothing's worth it. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you just have to, I think Eddie Murphy says, you just have to graze nuts. You know, they're like, <laughs> you don't have to hit them. You just have to graze them. It's a problem. I don't know. Go ahead, Nico. I've, I've seen Kung Fu masters that I guess specifically trained for that. And they could take a full on shin kick to the groin and they don't yeah. even, they don't even uh, gasp or anything. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I'm sure, I mean, you know, we all have pain tolerance levels, but, but then, you know, I've seen the obvious, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into it because I don't know enough about it. I mean, I'm sure there's people that 
you know, anything can happen if you train for it, but it's just the, the people that I've seen that have it done to them, they, they don't look like they're in shape. Okay. It's not like they look like they're fitness fanatics. That's why I kind of, the red flag kind of went up, you know, with me. Uh, I'm thinking, eh, there may be a gimmick to this. I don't know. You know. But even if you could take the pain, I mean, there's, like you said, how do you prevent that from being permanently damaged? I mean, you're putting a lot at stake there. I mean, maybe my priorities are different, but. Well, maybe, but that still doesn't mean you can fight because you can, you know, I mean, eventually you're going to go out. I mean. That's just all there is to it. You're not impervious. You got to know how to fight. So I get it. That's a little thing, a little subset of it. But um, yeah, I've seen some stuff that I know was a gimmick. Some, you know, you know, just not whatever. Hey, do you remember, Joe, Nico wouldn't know this, but uh, do you remember Chung Mu Kwan? Maybe that sounds familiar, but. Oh my God. That was like when I first moved to Chicago. They were like a big martial arts chain. They got shut down. They were a cult. And uh, they were, I remember watching on t- TV, they had all these like martial art schools get together. Like they had a con- like a conference. Deggerberg was there. I forgot who else. I didn't, probably didn't even know these other martial artists, but they were like, we got to do something about this school because they were like bad. Stalking their students and, you know, it was a money thing. It was like a cult. And, and it was called Chung something else on the East Coast. They, 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 they were around. Um, but I met a woman at a party that was a student of theirs and she got into this stance, you know, way down low on the ground. And I mean, not laying on the ground, but squatting really low. And uh, she was a black belt, I guess, in Chung Kwan. And I don't know. Um, it was just, yeah, that was one of those, nothing she claimed worked, you know, I mean, nothing she said was valid. Yeah, they. I, yeah, it was. That's a long time ago because that's got to be thirty years ago or close to it. I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. Where was their school at? Do you remember? Oh, Man, they. I don't know. Were they I mean, had multiple ones. Yeah, I'm sure they did. But yeah, uh, maybe. Well, this woman that I met at the party, I think she was. I think that party was in Lombard or something like that. Hmm. But I don't know where they were. You look it up. I guess I haven't thought about them for twenty years, but. Uh, that sounds like some Count Dante stuff. Well, Count Dante, now, see, now, I've known people who knew him, okay? Um, and, yeah, he was full of shit, but he actually was good at what he did, the, the Kempo, that's his background, um, and he was progressive. You know, he was, you know, multiracial students and, you know, all of that stuff, very diverse. Um, so pretty much everyone that I talked to, you know, these are old-timers, you know, um, they all said he could fight, yeah, but he, you know, he wasn't the delays man and all that stuff. That was all, but he, he was, uh, he was a South sider, you know, he was from Chicago, um, redheaded Irishman really. Uh, and, uh, he got, he got this mistake and he used to work out at Johnny Coolen's gym and Johnny did this. He was a boxer. He could do this thing where he, he'd pinch you on the carotid artery and you couldn't lift him up. That was a legit, um, but yeah, he was a Southsider, Southside Irish, and uh, he's actually buried at the cemetery. I didn't live that far from there, you know, in River Grove, uh, unmarked grave. But yeah, most of what he did was, you know, kind of bizarre. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't a fighter like we are kind of thing, you know. It was a, that era kind of karate, you know? Um, 
uh, some of his, I know that he had a student that I forgot it. I don't know the guy's name. I never met him, but he may have just recently passed, but he was still around on the South side of Chicago. Um, Somebody was at somebody's house and he showed me some video clips of the guy hitting a heavy bag or doing something in his driveway. I vaguely remember nothing stood out, you know, as being, wow, you know, no, I only save my wows for you anymore, Joe. Cause you're at a different level of wow. You know, I mean, you're so much in the wow that even backwards, you're still wow. You know, I mean, that's just like, that's pretty deep. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just wow. But yeah, Count Dante and Cleveland had um some, some martial art guys, Al Jean Carulia, who was the first world, I believe he was the first world karate champ. Um, he was from the, I think his gym was on the west side of Cleveland. We had Master Kim, <clears throat> who was a badass. Uh, Korean, he was on the, uh, he, he taught judo and ta- taekwondo or tang sudo or some. Uh, he was on the judo, uh, 64 Olympic judo team. He got messed up really bad in a car accident. And he passed away, but not from the car wreck, but I guess he lost his memory of everything except his martial arts abilities. Of course, I knew Man, Man Beck and his brother um, Moon Beck. They own Ohio Black Belt Academy. That's where I learned how to... Man Beck owned a, or manager owned a, the Mr. Heroes not far from my house, real bad neighborhood. And that's where I learned to play Pac-Man and train for the Pac-Man world champion, world title and all that stuff. Um, and I heard last I heard, which was 25, 30 years ago, I heard he had moved to California, <clears throat> but, um, and I don't know, cause I never went to any of these schools, but I, there, there was another pretty big martial or some, some other martial art thing guy or something from Cleveland. I can't remember now, but uh, I just wasn't really into that stuff. But yeah, I mean, Chicago had Dante and you know, who else? I mean, um, Kenny Knudsen, he fought Bill Wallace. Um, My buddy was friends with him. My buddy studied with him actually. Uh, And um, Kenny owned the uh, Sybaris. You know what the Sybaris is, right guys? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't own him. He, well, he's dead. He got, he got, he's another one. He got killed in a plane crash. Um, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was another guy. Uh, there was somebody else. Cone brothers, uh, you know, from with judo. They're from Skokie. Um, you know, but I, I thought there was someone else back then. You know, Ali lived for a while. He lived on the south side of Chicago, Muhammad Ali. Ernie Terrell. NBA champion, you know, heavyweight champion of the world the, under the NBA organization back then, sanctioning body. Yep. Um, oh, what was the other one that uh, uh, he broke down in, in the ring and started crying one time, heavyweight champ of the world. Uh, I can't believe this. You've got to know this, Joe. Um, why do I think his name began with an O? He was champ, not that, I mean, Within 20 years, I think. No idea. You did meet, was it Leon Spinks? Oh, yeah. Well, Leon and I, yeah. Leon, but he he was, I mean, he was living in Addison, but yeah, but he was already retired. Um, uh, and Montel Griffith, I think, was from 
Was it him? I think he was from Gary, Indiana. Tony Zale was from Gary, Montel, Indiana. I, I know Montel Griffin used to train at uh, McGarry's boxing yeah, the, gym in, uh, okay. on the south side. I've got a good friend of mine that was trained by him. He's a phenomenal boxer. Well, Tony Zale was – he taught out of the Chicago Park District. I know a couple guys had – I knew one guy. Well, my buddy that passed away, Bob O'Brien, actually did an exhibition with him. Um, but uh, another, I know another guy that actually trained with him in the Chicago Park District, Tony Zale. Um, but uh, I can't believe I can't think of this boxer's name. Uh, um, Galata? Well, well, yeah, well, no, that's not who I was thinking of, but yeah. Um, no, this was, uh, I can't, it doesn't matter, but yeah, he was from Chicago. And of course, Johnny Lira, you know, who was my buddy, uh, there was probably a lot, you know, Cleveland had a lot back before I was born, you know, Joey Maxim, who I met, he was light heavyweight champ of the world and Johnny Risco. Um, you know, that's going back to the twenties there with him. Um, yeah, the, you know, but martial arts, yeah, the, it, it's just, you know, I didn't, I didn't follow. I mean, there, what was there to follow? You know, I mean, there wasn't much. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm a little bit older than you, Nico. So the big names were, you know, Bill, Bill Wallace and Chuck Norris growing up as far as competitors. And I got to know and become friends and do seminars with Bill Wallace. I mean, how great, how, you know, how much better does it get than that? You know? Hell of a guy. Phenomenal. But not absolutely phenomenal. Um, and he did judo and he wrestled. You know, so this guy was pretty well-rounded dude. Um, yeah. But anyway, the clock on the wall is saying it's about time to wrap this up, don't you guys think? Yep. You there, Joe? You, oh, sorry. Sorry, no, you were rambling yeah, on. Just pretend was... that this was a mirror. <laughs> pretend that your computer screen is a mirror. And, and don't Nico, go Cleveland Browns or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. But don't encourage this guy, Nico. You're doing it again, Nico. See, no, bad Nico. Bad Nico. We got to get that. We got to get that trilogy doll and send it to Indiana to his house. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's say I'm love, have, love Karen. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it, that that was scary. I mean, as a kid when I saw it, it was freaky. I, guys got to watch that. You know, um, is she? There was she had a unique look about her, you know, because she had that, you know, that go funny eye, she had that wandering eye. And, but yet she was like, there was she was attractive to me. I mean, you know, yeah, they, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I like people with little flaws here and there, you know, because then you know it's they can't really they shouldn't judge you then, you know, because it's like look at you, you're judging me, look at you, you know, that kind of thing. That's it's always because we Sounds can't healthy. again. Hmm? Sounds healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Nico, quit encouraging him, man. See, that's the thing. You're you're creating this monster over here, okay? And then what? You you're moving further away. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the guy left stuck with this thing, okay? I can't get rid of him. It's, it's like late. gum on my shoe. It's too late now. Yeah, right. It's too late now. I like that shirt you got on wrestling. I should. <laughs> I, I, you know, I put all of my, I don't wear that stuff when I go out. I, I just try to stay under the radar. I don't wear anything like that, but I, I used to have a lot of shirts. I just don't do, I mean, shirts maybe i important. Huh? You should also invest in pants. Why? <laughs> Why? Just a, just a general recommendation, especially if you're going out. Yeah. <laughs> That's infringing on my rights. Okay. I'll wear a mask, but I don't want to wear a pants. 
Well, you need but to anyway. make them like an American flag pants. Well, they they sell those too, so you can you can show your your commitment to freedom. Who there was liberty. a wasn't there a wrestler or was it a martial art guy that wore those? Well, Bill Wallace wore I think the stars and stripes and yeah, that's who I think it was. Yeah, I, I think, think I in the seventies those kind of pants were obligatory if you did karate, man. You had to have some disco karate pants, some cool. Yeah, disco man. I think, I think Shoney Carter used to have like uh, American flag, like the underwear type of like Valet Tudo underwears. Pretty cool. Yeah, I never really paid attention to Shoney's underwear, but thank you, Nico, for letting us know. Appreciate <laughs> it. But anyway, guys, we'll wrap it up. It was another pleasurable weekend. I hope everybody out there that's listening gets a kick out of us because we're knuckleheads at times, but uh, it's all good fun. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. It'll be interesting, and um, we'll have to come up with a good topic. But um, it's going to be back to work for me, and then uh, I'll see you guys soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too. You too. Thank you.